Welcome to The Purpose Project. I'm Emily, a 23-year-old graduate student who's on her journey to find her purpose. I mean, who isn't? On this podcast, we'll chat through the good, the bad, and the ugly, having raw and real conversations about lifestyle, career, health, and mindset. The path to find your purpose isn't easy, but we can do it together one episode at a time. Hi, everyone, and welcome back, or welcome if you are new to The Purpose Project. My name is Emily. I am so happy to have you here today. Thank you so much for clicking on today's episode, whether you are a returning member of The Purpose fam or you are new. Even if you are new, welcome. So happy to have you here. Today's episode is one that has been requested actually by a few of my listeners. They have reached out to my DMs and asked me specifically to get a professional to come in and talk about all things mental health and therapy. But before we dive in, I wanted to give you all the weekly affirmation, but this week I decided to go more of a quote route. I think that'll be beneficial for us. Whatever is really working with the episode's theme, I might go with an affirmation or a quote just to remind you of certain things that may relate to the episode. So the quote reads, allow yourself to grow. When you plant seeds in the garden, You don't dig them up every day to see if they have sprouted yet. You simply water them and clear away the weeds. You know that the seed will grow in time. Similarly, just do your daily practice and cultivate a kind heart. Abandon impatience and instead be content creating the causes for goodness. The results will come when they're ready. And I mean, I think that goes hand in hand with what we're going to talk about today. So you probably saw the title, but today we are joined by Stephanie King. She is a Philadelphia-based professional mental health counselor, and I am so, so, so excited to share this episode with you guys Stephanie and I touch on so many different topics from self-care to how to find a therapist and different types of therapy that you can go for. And we really dive into the idea of the new year and this pressure that society gives us to reinvent ourselves when midnight strikes on January 1st. So her and I really talk through the idea behind creating daily and weekly goals and how to keep a positive mindset in such a negative and sometimes scary world with what's going on in the news and the pandemic. Like things can be stressful and we are going almost on a year of this craziness and we don't know if it's going to get worse. We can only pray that it's going to get better, but how can we keep a positive mind in such a turbulent time? So her and I really tap into that and it's great to have her professionalism and her expertise in these areas to really dive deeper and give you guys more of an idea of these topics more than I can in a solo episode. So I am so thankful 
that Stephanie was able to take time out of her day and come and chat with us about all these things. She is awesome and it's so cool that she is Philadelphia based as well. So she's right in my neighborhood, which is really cool. But we did do this via Zoom. <laughs> so without further ado, I want you guys to get out some paper, a pen, notepad, whatever you need to do, take notes. This is an awesome episode and really just a great reminder for all of us that we are all going through this together and it's not just you in this. You're not alone. Okay. So without further ado, let us dive into the episode with Stephanie. I hope you guys enjoy. Welcome back to The Purpose Project. Today, I have an episode and a wonderful guest here for you that a lot of you have requested over the past three, four, five months. So today, I have professional mental health counselor, Stephanie King with me. Hi, Stephanie. How are you today? Hi, Emily. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I am so excited too. And like I said, a bunch of you messaged me asking to bring a professional on the podcast to talk about mental health and all those things, especially with the crazy world you're living in right now. And it's funny when I went to look for them on Instagram, all these different people, Stephanie came up and she's actually in Philadelphia. So Philadelphia, are yes. you born and raised Philly or just PA? Um, PA born and raised, been in Philly for about a decade. Love that. And then we also yes. found out that she was up in Boston, which is where I'm from, for four years for school. So super <laughs> small world. Yes, yes. We have some random things in common. And then we found each other on Instagram. <laughs> which I love. So Stephanie, go ahead and tell my listeners, who is Stephanie King? Okay. Hi, everybody. I'm so thankful to be here. Emily, thank you again for asking me to come on here. Um, I am a professional mental health counselor. I work in Philadelphia at a private practice called Therapy for Women Center. And there I work with women on a variety of issues. My main points of conversation that I have are grief, anxiety, and body image and disordered eating. And with those topics come a whole bunch of other things like self-care and boundaries and coping skills and mindfulness and all of that. So aside from doing individual therapy there, we do workshops, um, obviously because of COVID, everything is virtual now, but mm. we do workshops and blog posts and community outreach during or via Instagram. So we kind of try to connect with people the best way we can right now. Which I think is really cool. I did some research on your practice and it seems like it's a, like a community in itself, right? Yes. Yes. It's wonderful. We all connect with each other. We do weekly supervisions where we can all touch base and chat about what's going on with us. And it's just a great outlet for us as professionals to be able to just kind of vent to each other as well. That is so cool. Is that normal for that profession to have that type of practice and community? Or is that really special with your um, group you work with? I find it to be very special. I've worked in a couple other agencies where it can be very isolating because you are your own entity. You see your own clients and it's, it's hard to find that collaboration. So one of the things I'm so thankful for is that we have the opportunity to connect with each other we're on a group text chain. Like I said, we do this supervision 
anybody is always so helpful in setting up a phone call or something like that. So I find it to be very unique and very special and it works really well for us. That, that sounds amazing. Can you dive us into a little bit more about who you are? Where did it all begin? Did you go to school? Did you have any different experiences or hobbies like growing up that maybe made you into who you are today? Walk us through your story a little bit. Sure. So the idea of this podcast, The Purpose Project, right, is like trying to find what our purpose is. And I was thinking about it and I was like, was being a therapist my purpose? Did I always know this? And when I reflected on it, I was like, maybe I didn't always know that being a therapist in a women's center was it, but I'm an empath and I love to listen to people's stories and I love to dive into the deep stuff and the emotions and I want to help people. And all of that really kind of got me thinking about how can I make this into a career? Mm -hmm. So I think throughout my life, I always knew I wanted to work with people. I just didn't know in what capacity. So I grew up in a very small town. I went to a Catholic high school that did not prepare me for anything mental health wise, (laughs) did not prepare me for college. So when I went to school, I went as a psych major because I was like, I want to do psychology. And then immediately failed psych 101. And was like, okay, I guess maybe I'm just not smart. And I hope some people can relate to this because going into college, I felt I can conquer the world. And then when I got there, I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I don't know anything. Mm -hmm. And I switched my major and I graduated with a communications major, which is fine. But I knew that wasn't what I wanted to do. I just thought that I couldn't do psychology. So like many people who finish college and don't know what to do, they work in the restaurant industry. So I did that for literally a decade, trying to figure out, you know, what's my next step. And I think the comparison game really, really came in strong, seeing friends who knew what they wanted to do and they got advanced degrees. And I don't know if you can relate to any of this, because I know, you know, you with with school and everything, just that idea of what's next. Mm -hmm. Um, I personally really struggled with that. And so I really tapped into what am I interested in and everything as far as TV and books and movies, it was all mental health related. Mm -hmm. And I really took an interest in disordered eating and women and, you know, relationships and things like that. And it wasn't until I got offered a promotion at one of my restaurant jobs that I was like, wait a second, it is time to figure out what you want to do. And how old were you during all of this? I was 27 when I got the offer to become a manager and I was like, Oh, wait a second. Like I need to think about this. And very soon after that, I enrolled in Philadelphia community college and took psych 101. I started from the beginning. I was like, let's get back to what you've always wanted to do. Like now's the time you're ready. And so went back, took psych 101, loved it, passed it this time, plot twist. Um, I passed the class and I went on to take whatever prereqs I needed, contacted a bunch of schools, went to grad school, finished the program, did a bunch of internships and here I am. So I think if people are really struggling with what to do next, like just stick with your gut. It's, it's a mix of hard work and also intuition. 
I love that because personally, I've been in the restaurant industry for a very long time as well. Uh I was a server, bartender, and a supervisor. (laughs) Like, I totally get it. And I think it's also really important that I love when guests come on and they tell where they are now, but they also explain that like 15 years ago, they had no idea that where they'd be today. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And I love the restaurant industry. I worked at the same restaurant all through grad school. It put me through school. It's wonderful. Uh, But it comes to a point where either you, that's your job or you, it's not. And Mm -hmm. I got to that point where I was like, all right, you really need to figure out what you want to do because you don't want to work weekends your whole life. And you don't want to be on your feet for 50 hours a week. And it was that reflection of like, okay, I feel like I'm ready. Let me start back to basics. Psych 101. Let me see if I could do it this time around. And it, I was able to, it worked out because I think I was actually ready. And when I was 18, Mm -hmm. I was not ready. I was going to ask, what do you think the difference was between taking it then and at the age of 27 that made you realize like I was on the right track, but I just didn't get it that time before. I think a lot of it has to do with confidence and just Mm -hmm. the idea of like the world will give me everything and it'll work out. So I don't really have to, you know, work hard at this. And then when I failed it, I was like, okay, well, I guess that's just not for me instead of thinking about it and being like, okay, maybe it's not for you right now, or Mm. maybe we need to study harder or something like that. For me, it was just like, okay, well, the universe is telling me no. And then as I got older, I was like, okay, you don't always get handed things. You have to work hard at things. And it psych 101 was so hard for me. I I was in class with a bunch of 18 year olds, which was fine, but it was tough and that's okay. I I think when I was 18, I was like, well, it's hard. I don't want to do it Mm. at 27. I'm like, it's hard and that's okay. I can still push through and, and get it done. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, I also think maybe a maturity thing as well. Like at the time, I remember when I was a freshman, like something was hard and I was like, it's not for me, not happening. Like heck to the no. But now I take something being difficult as a challenge and something that I want to do. Right. Absolutely. Yes. And I think it's different too, because we get really caught up in the college lifestyle or you can get caught up in the college lifestyle, Mm -hmm. which I was. So I was like, I don't want to study. I have all these great friends. This is wonderful. Um, Whereas when I got older, I was like, okay, I can study first and then I could see my friends if I want to, but that your priorities shift. At least for Mm -hmm. me, when I was 18, my priorities were not school. Mm -hmm. And I also think it's an important takeaway from your story that you can change at any age, any time, any phase of your life. Like it's not, it's worrying. That's the thing for me that I worry about a lot is what, like what's next, especially Mm -hmm. being in grad school right now and graduating in May and being like, where am I going to go from here? Like, I have no idea with COVID and everything. Right. Stress of the world really leaning on me. It's just me realizing like, it's a hard challenge. It's something that like, I just need to take on and go after and do it. And I couldn't change 10 years down the line, 15 years down the line, it doesn't matter. So I love hearing that you were able to go back to school and now you're doing what you love, which is super awesome. Um, I I did want to touch on one point that you made during your story. You said that you're an empath. How does being like a mental health counselor work with being an empath? Is it hard sometimes? It is. Yes. I mean, I think I think it's actually a strength in this profession because 
I really true, truly feel deeply for my clients and what, what they go through. Mm -hmm. And there's been multiple times where in session, I would be like, oh my gosh, I'm getting emotional. You know, you're this, you being emotional is making me emotional. And I think that's a strength because therapy is very vulnerable and it's really hard to talk about some of the things that are going on in your life and to have somebody who's an empath who can feel right along with you, Mm -hmm. who is empathetic to you. I think it really helps you feel more comfortable with that vulnerability. It it makes it hard because, you know, you really do have to engage in a lot of self-care to kind of unwind from the day and, and refocus on your own life because you can't always constantly be thinking about other people's lives. Yeah. I I completely agree. And I'm glad you touched on self-care and we will, we will definitely touch on self-care in a little bit, but I want to transition the conversation now to really the reason behind why people wanted a um, professional on the podcast to talk about this. Like, as we all know, 2020 was not the best. Uh -uh. (laughs) (laughs) And going into 2021, I feel like there's a lot of pressure from the world, from society, from our family members, like boyfriends, girlfriends, whoever it is, there's a lot of pressure in the new year to do new year, new me and recreate ourselves completely just because the clock strikes midnight. So Mm. how does someone get over that? Have you seen that like recently with your clients? Like what's your thoughts on this whole new year, new me thing? Yes. Yes. I hear that so much. I see people trying to do whole overhauls of their lives on January 1st. Um, I personally am somebody who loves loves the idea of a fresh start. Mm -hmm. I like the new year. I think it's a great opportunity to kind of refresh from the holidays. However, I think people really get caught up in trying to change everything. Mm -hmm. So let's just say their goal is like, I want to be healthier. And they're trying to, you know, work out five times a week and only do this and only do that and do that and do that. And it's so much that by day two, you can't keep this up. And so- Right. Exactly. So I think how do we basically break it down to smaller digestible bites? So I think the goal of being healthy is wonderful, but does that mean taking a multivitamin every day? Okay, great. That's something that's doable. Is it drinking more water? Perfect. Treat yourself to a new water bottle, you know? So I think realizing that January 1st is not going to be a new you. You're the same you. I think breaking things down into really small chunks can help you reach these goals or at least kind of maintain them a little bit better than trying to do a full overhaul on day one. Mm -hmm. I I agree. People get so burnt out so quickly. And that's why I personally don't believe in new year's resolutions. Cause I feel like by the time January 30th comes around, everyone has failed because they've tried to go so hard so fast. Mm -hmm. So in accordance with those goals, um, can we get a little more specific and talk about like setting goal setting in your mind with how, how to make it a little more structured? Are we talking like daily goals, weekly goals, monthly goals? Like what is your mindset on that? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's different for everyone. I think the idea of having a large goal, like starting a business or saving money or you know, buying a house. Like I think those are wonderful and it's great to have them, but I am a huge proponent for weekly goals. Mm. So one of the things that I like to do is create a list of what I want to do for the week. And it doesn't even have to be anything that's like monumental or wonderful. It could be do laundry or 
clean bathtub or something like that. And I think because I see clean bathtub on my list and I say, oh, I have an hour on Wednesday. Let me knock that out in the morning. I cross that off my list and it makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot of shame and guilt surrounding goals when we don't meet them. And I think that comes a lot from setting these unattainable goals. Yes. So make them attainable, write them down. I think daily lists are wonderful. I think monthly lists are wonderful. Um, For me, it's weekly. That makes the most sense, but everyone's different. And I really think it's just putting little things on there too, because sometimes Mm -hmm. we have days where we can't move mountains because we're humans and that's fine. But if we can clean out our bathtub and we could check that off, like that's a goal that we achieved and that feels good. Yeah. Checking off things makes me personally feel good. And I know it probably does for all you out there listening, but for (laughs) me, just like you said, daily, weekly, monthly, whatever's good for you. I personally, I talked on this in a recent episode about it, but I do daily and weekly lists. Okay. So I, on Sundays, I set up my weekly lists of like the top five things I need to get done and then whatever else falls underneath them. And then daily, every morning I'll write down what tasks need to get done that day. And usually they double cross over. So I'll be able to do two check marks and I'm like, Oh, that's double the work for one thing. Like, you know, so it's doing whatever those things like really work for you because I've seen, and personally, I have set those really unattainable goals and unrealistic goals. So Mm -hmm. I guess my next question, you may not be able to answer this and may be more of an opinion than anything, but how do you think that people can start um, becoming more aware of like what is realistic and what is unrealistic goal-wise for them? That's a good question. I think, so becoming more aware, I always abide by the idea that we can't change anything that we're not aware of. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's really just tuning into, are you setting a goal and consistently not reaching that goal? And what does it feel like? And why can't you reach it? What are the barriers? And Mm -hmm. once we identify barriers, that helps us identify, can we actually get over these barriers? So let me try to think of an example. Like, so let's use the pandemic. You know, if you want to go to the gym four times a week and then the gym shuts down, that's a barrier that you can't get over. So you need to reassess. You need to check in. And it's like, you can't be mad at yourself for not reaching that goal when you have no control over it. But does that mean home workouts? Does that mean just going for walks? Does that mean doing some stretching? So I think, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I think there's awareness that needs to be there. And then figuring out can I actually achieve this? Are these barriers too great? What do I have control over? But I also feel like becoming aware is a really hard skill for some people to really be emotionally and mentally aware of what they're able to do and what they are not able to do. So that definitely comes into factor, but I mean, yeah, it is what it is, you know? Yeah. And it's tough. I mean, we're We all set goals that we don't meet. And I think with that being said, if we don't reach a goal, we need to practice self-compassion. We're humans. Mm. We will not be perfect at everything. We will not hit every goal that we set. And that's a whole nother piece of this. We're we're humans and we're in a global pandemic right now and we need to practice some grace. So if we're not hitting our goals, that's another thing of taking a deep breath and giving yourself permission to not be perfect. Yeah. From everyone I've talked to in the past few weeks, the one thing I ask when what's one thing you learned about 2020, everyone says grace. 
just give myself grace, just like Uh take it, relax. And I always respond with, hopefully we take this past pandemic days because that's something we all need to be more honest with ourselves about because we are human. We can't be in a hundred places at once, right? Like, no, no. (laughs) And we're so hard on ourselves and we have to remind ourselves like we can't do it all. It's impossible. Yes. Oh my goodness. And I guess going off of that, we can start hopping into that word pandemic and like dealing with all the craziness right now. So in your opinion, and maybe advice that you would give to a client, like how does someone keep positive in such a negative world right now with the pandemic and politics and like everything happening on the news? How, what advice would you give to someone really struggling with keeping positive during this time? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. I think one of the things that I preach so much throughout the whole pandemic is find these things that bring you joy. Even if they're the teeniest, tiniest things that you don't think make a difference, find them and hold them close and practice them. So Mm. it might look like buying fresh flowers once a week. So at least when you look at your coffee table, there's a bouquet there. It might look like getting dressed every day or putting on lipstick, whatever it is, find your joy. And that is very sacred because it is so hard to stay positive when so many things are going on. Um, I also think the other side of that is giving yourself permission to not always be positive. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we try to pull ourselves out of the funk so much that it becomes frustrating and nothing's working and what's wrong with me when sometimes we just need to put our hands up and say, today's gonna be a sad day and that's okay because once again, I'm human and it's a pandemic. And if I'm gonna be sad, let me at least be comfortable and sad. So let me put on my comfiest sweats, right? If I'm going to be sad, at least let me be freshly showered and sad. So I think it's a mix of finding your joy and holding that tight. And then also giving yourself permission to be a human. And if you're having an off day, it is what it is. Deal with it. Tomorrow, hopefully will be better. Yeah, I totally, totally agree with the fact of being honest with ourselves emotionally. That's one thing that I have worked on for a long time in not holding everything in. And I definitely feel like, especially if you're someone that maybe has a platform on social media or you have a podcast like this, you feel the need, or I personally felt the need in the beginning of the pandemic to be super positive and be like, Mm -hmm. there's a light at the end of the tunnel. We got this, like all these positive words. But it's also really realistic to be like, I had so many days where I had a mental breakdown and I Uh cried and that was okay. And being honest with yourself about those things is like the number one thing that we can do during this time. Absolutely. And speaking of mental breakdown and not to use that term lightly, but I think it's helpful to have a friend that you can text and be like, I'm having a breakdown today. Like, tell me a funny story or just tell me about your day or distract me, Mm. like kind of have like a breakdown buddy, because I think a lot of people are really struggling with isolation Yeah. during the pandemic. You know, our, our social lives got completely cut off Mm -hmm. and having that group text or having that one person, parent, friend, cousin, whoever to be like, oh, I cried four times today. Like, how's your day? You know, just to kind of keep it, to keep this connection. We need that so badly. Yes. I love breakdown, buddy. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone needs a breakdown, buddy, I got you. There but you go. I, I agree. I have a group chat that started at the beginning of the pandemic and we text in it every day. It's like five other girls and I, and one person will be like, guys, I'm having a really rough day. And everyone will just respond back and be like, me too. Or like yes. someone will respond back and like hype the other person up. It's having mm-hmm. that support system 
And it could really be anyone. It can be a friend, a family member, a boyfriend or girlfriend, a mentor, just someone you know that you can open up to and be completely vulnerable with. And that's also where therapy comes in. Exactly. That's the, <laughs> the joy of having a therapist is you can be as vulnerable as you want and they don't know you outside of the therapy office. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh, I love it. And that's if anyone out there is like on the verge of thinking about getting a therapist, I highly recommend it. I personally have had one growing up and now, and it's just such a nice thing to be able to go to someone, like you said, that knows nothing about your outside life, nothing yep. that whatever you tell them is what they know. Like they don't know yes. everything. So it's nice having that support system that you can just lean on and not expect to even have an ear in return as selfish as that sounds. Right. 100%. And I think that's the thing when you are in therapy, it's all about you. And mm. we need that so badly. We need an outlet to just be like, all right, here's my 50 minutes. Mm -hmm. I'm going to talk about everything that's going on with me. And you're going to listen. And this is great because you know, I don't have to help anyone or give advice. Like I could just talk about what's going on with me. Yeah, absolutely. And I have a few questions regarding that in a little bit from our listeners, but awesome. before we do yeah. that, I want to dive into something that you focus on a lot on your Instagram, which is self-care. So yes. I know my listeners love self-care. I've done a ton of self-care episodes before, but in your definition, what does self-care mean to you? To me, self-care is anything that makes you feel good. And so it's as simple and as complicated as that, because I definitely subscribe to the very basic idea of like bath bombs and face masks. I love that. I think that's wonderful. That's something that I use for self-care all the time. Mm. But there's also something that I like to call, and I post on my Instagram about this a lot, that I call not so glamorous self-care. Mm. And while I'm doing it, it might not feel good, but it's something that will make me feel good after I do it. So for example, going to the dentist, like I don't love it. Mm. I don't enjoy it. But when I'm done, I feel I took care of myself. Yeah. Paying bills. You know, who wants to put their money out to bills? Like I don't, but when I'm done with paying bills, I feel responsible. I feel accomplished. I feel like I've completed something. So I talk about that idea of self-care is anything that makes you feel good. And then I think I should add the side note that you might not feel good while you're doing it and that's okay. But the outcome is something that makes you feel better. I've never thought of it that way. And I think that is so important in shifting that mindset. Like I like taxes are coming up. No one wants to do yep. their taxes, but when you're done that, I, I know the feeling every single year when I'm done, I'm like, praise the Lord. It's over. Like, I feel good. I spent hours doing that. And now I don't have to touch it again for a year. That's mm -hmm. self-care. And I've never thought about it in that way. Yeah. So I stress that a lot of like, it might not be something you actually want to do, but when you are done with it, you will feel better. You know, like doing the laundry, I consider doing the laundry self-care. I hate doing mm -hmm. the laundry and well, my husband usually does it, but like, sometimes <laughs> I do it. And I hate it, but I know when it's done and it's folded and it's put away, I feel better. And to me, that is self-care. So that, while bath bombs and face masks, wonderful, love it, love to do it. There's also so much more things that you can do that are completely opposite of that. Going off of that, I was about to ask, what are your favorite ways of implementing self-care in your routine? So 
one of the things that actually kept me going through the pandemic, and it's going to sound so silly, but one of my close friends and I would watch Dancing with the Stars every Monday. And it seriously got me through every single Monday. I had everything done that I needed to be done by eight o'clock so I could be on the couch, on the phone with her for two hours to just veg out and do it. So for me, one of my go-tos for self-care is just like trash reality TV. It turns my brain off. I can just tune into someone else's life and it's so good for me. Um, Also, I love to take walks. I walk my dog. I throw on a podcast. I go for a walk. I could walk for like four hours. Mm -hmm. Um, So if I'm thinking of like health-wise, self-care for me is like drinking water, taking a lot of walks, making sure I eat throughout the day. Um, planning my meals is self-care because as a therapist, I have a lot of back-to-back appointments and sometimes I only have 10 minutes in between. And if I don't prepare, I don't get to eat. So it's little things like that, you know, being prepared as far as food and water throughout my day is huge for me as far as self-care goes. Yeah, I, I can actually relate to a lot of those. Walking is one for me, especially finding the right time of day to walk in the streets of Fairmount, like all the pretty yes. houses and just like uh-huh. literally have a podcast and just like look around, you know? And really, I think it's also important to think if you don't know any forms of self-care that you have practiced or you want to start practicing more self-care, I think it's important. It goes back to the whole knowing yourself and understanding yourself and asking yourself what would look self-care look like to me, even if you may not like doing it in the moment, even if it may be hard to do it, really right. just trying to figure that out because I truly believe that everyone needs to do self-care at least once a day, whether it's five minutes of meditation or just Mm -hmm. five minutes of silence, like every day you need to do something for you or else you're, you're just not living your life for you and you're not being your best self. So I 100% subscribe to that. I agree with it. Everything you just said, because at the end of the day, if we're not in a good space, so many other things around us suffer and it's really on us to, like you said, take those five minutes, go for that walk, sit in silence. You know, we have to set this, this time aside for us. It's imperative. Yeah. And that, that was a great summary of self-care because I had never thought about it the way you brought it up. So I appreciate your viewpoint on that. And I hope all of you listening are able to reconsider what self-care means to you during this time. Thank you. So at this point of the episode, I want to dive into a few questions that my listeners uh, submitted for you um, today. So first few questions really work hand in hand. So we'll go through them one at a time. But the first one is, can you explain how to go about finding a therapist? Yes. So this question comes up a lot. I feel like people are so confused on where to start. And one of the greatest resources that I can give to people is psychologytoday.com. So psychology today is basically like a Rolodex of therapists within your area. You can type in your city, your zip code, how many miles away, if you want virtual or in person, and you can, um, filter it to, you know, is it anxiety? Is it depression? Is it an eating disorder? And it's just a wealth of information. So I Mm -hmm. always, always recommend psychology today for people because it really does have a great, great, like I said, Rolodex of therapists. Um, I also think Instagram, finding Mm -hmm. a therapist on Instagram, and I don't mean doing therapy through Instagram, but finding their feed and seeing that they 
work with the same issues that you might be experiencing in and seeing if they practice in your area or if they recommend somebody who could practice, who practices in your area. Because one of the wonderful things about Instagram is we're all connecting with so many different people that mm-hmm. somebody might DM me and yeah, I have somebody I could recommend in a different city or, or state or something like that. Um, so the internet is your friend when it comes to finding a therapist. But my number one suggestion is to go on psychologytoday.com and really, really read through profiles and bios and, mm-hmm. and see who, who fits what you're going through. Yeah. Yeah. I had seen that before. I think I went through another website that led me to psychology today, but Mm -hmm. that's a great resource. So if you're looking for a therapist, whoever asked this question, definitely go and check that website out. Following question is how long does it usually take for therapy to work? Okay. So this is a very nuanced question. I think it's different for everyone. So personally, so I have some clients that come in and say, I have this specific problem. This is what I want to work on let's start tomorrow working on this problem. And that might be five sessions, right? Somebody might just need some coping skills for anxiety or how do I have this conversation with my boss? I just need to talk to somebody about it. And we figure out that specific thing and then they go on their merry way. Mm -hmm. I also have clients that I've been seeing for years. So I think it really depends on the person. You know, what is the issue? What is the challenge? you know, uh, it's, it's kind of hard to answer without knowing, Mm -hmm. but I think long story short, I've seen people five times and I've seen people 500 times and one's not right or wrong. Mm -hmm. It really just depends on what's going on with the person. Yep. I think that therapy is very personal and it's different for everyone. So, Mm -hmm. um, although that question isn't directly answered, it just really depends on you and what you need. There's no, I'd say like graduation date from therapy. Right. And, and I think too, a lot of, as people progress in therapy and you see growth and you see change, they might reach out in six months and be like, Hey, this one thing came up. Do you have an appointment so we could talk about it? And it's like, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for reaching back out. So it doesn't have to even end ever. It could end for six months or a year or three weeks. And then it's like, oh, wait, you know, I I have this other challenge. And that's what I think is so wonderful about a therapeutic relationship is when you find somebody and you connect with them, it's really easy to to pick back up after a period of time. It's like a a long distance friend. Like you haven't seen each other in like a year, but you can literally pick up right where you left off. Right. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a really, really good answer to that. And I guess kind of going off of that, the next question regarding that is, and you've touched on it a little bit, but what are the different types of therapy and how does one even know what's best and what's works for someone best? Right. Right. So this is another one that really, really is case by case. Mm-hmm. And so, cause there's so many different modalities, if you will. So there's specific skills based therapies where you just go and you learn skills and that's it. There is trauma processing therapies where you will work really, really long and hard with a therapist to process something that may have happened in your life. There is traditional talk therapy where somebody just needs a sounding board from day to day with like stress management or work stuff. So I really think that setting up an initial consult is one of the best ways to figure out what would make sense for you. Because when you meet with a professional, 
they'll be able to give uh, an assessment and say, okay, I think this is what would, what might make sense for you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I, once again, really hard to answer, but I think just psychology today, figuring out what you're, what you want to go to therapy for, and then looking at psychology today, but then that initial consult, most therapists do free consults before you even set up an appointment. So talk to a therapist. This is what's going on. This is what I think is happening. This is what I think I need. And that therapist should be able to say, Hey, I can help you with that. Or, you know what? I think it sounds more like you need trauma therapy, or Mm -hmm. I think you might need more, you know, skills-based therapy, or maybe you need to do uh, an inpatient program or something Mm -hmm. like that. So there's so many types of modalities. It's hard to name them all, but I really think that meeting with a professional for a consult could really help give a better idea of what makes sense for you. Yeah. They're going to have a better idea of what you need. And before you even know, honestly, through that first call. So just taking action, reaching out, making those first steps can be scary, but just having that conversation may lead you to the right direction that you need to be in therapy. So totally. Yeah, that's great. And then going off of that, another question that all these are really working hand in hand, but someone submitted a question that says, what's the best way to talk to someone who you think is struggling mentally and should get professional help? I know personally, and a lot of others may have people in their families or friends who probably should get some professional help, but it's very touchy subject. How does one go about starting that conversation? Okay. So I think one of the good things that is happening in the world is that mental health is less taboo and Mm -hmm. therapy is less taboo. So I feel like, you know, 10 years ago, you suggest someone goes to therapy and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm not crazy. And now you, you, you talk about therapy and it's, it's just so much more normalized and accepted. Mm -hmm. So I think that's wonderful. Um, I think keeping in mind that we cannot make anybody do anything. We cannot control what other people do. We can only control ourselves. So I think just being gentle and say, you know, pointing out kind of the obvious, it seems like you're, you're really struggling. It seems like there's a lot going on right now. Um, I care about you what, you know, and then kind of the next step of like, do you, did you want to work on this? Were you, do you think maybe talking to somebody about this would be helpful? Have you thought about a therapist or do you have a mentor or maybe just kind of like group in other things? So you're not just like, there's something wrong with you. You need to see a therapist. So I think validating their experience and then Mm -hmm. being really gentle of, Hey, I, I go to therapy. It really helps me when I'm upset. Like, have you ever thought about that? And, and kind of just really dip your toes in the water because you don't really want to do too much too soon. Um, cause people tend to shut down if they're not ready. Yeah. And that's why I think the conversation is so difficult because you want to make sure you approach it the correct way. So yeah. like Stephanie said, just taking it easy, being gentle about it, showing that you care about them first and foremost, you're not trying to fix them or you're not trying to push them to do something they aren't ready for. Um, that's super crucial. So hopefully whoever asked this, that helped, but next question and final question from my listeners is, um, as a therapist, do you have any advice on how to deal with body image? Yes. So one of my specialties that I really focus on with clients is body image. And I feel like during the pandemic, especially so many people are struggling with changing bodies and I validate how difficult that is and how hard it is to just not really feel comfortable right now. Um, and I think really focusing on 
it's never really about your body. It's about your idea about your body. It's about wanting to be accepted and wanting to be loved. And when we, we don't have to love our bodies to respect them. And so I think sometimes people are like body positivity and body love. And that's the only key to success. And that's not true at all because there's many people who don't love their bodies who have wonderful, fulfilling lives. Mm -hmm. And so I think if you're struggling with body image, first and foremost, remember, you do not have to love your body to respect it. And that means moving it in a way that feels good for you. And in a way that does not punish you. That means continuing to eat meals and continuing to hydrate and rest and really take care of it. Um, Because if you show your body respect, then it's, it's going to, to be a little bit easier. You might not ever Mm -hmm. love it or, or feel totally confident, but you can still respect your, your body. Yeah. Going off of that, this is kind of a side tangent, not really. It relates, but do you also think that taking a step away from maybe certain people you follow on social media that, yeah. Is that a big thing? Absolutely. I think curating your feed to something like you, you have to be able to view all bodies. And I think a lot of times people are very much in the diet culture mentality and Mm -hmm. in the fitspo and following personal trainers. And you have no idea what the people in those pictures do to get those bodies. And you don't need to be comparing yourself to people on the internet. So yes, I'm so glad you brought that up, Emily. I think fixing your social media and unfollowing people is key. You have to start doing that. I literally preach that every single episode on here, I somehow bring it up just to remind people that your social media is your social media. Like it's curated for what you want to see. So if you're getting upset, seeing people do certain things or look a certain way and you're questioning yourself because of it, unfollow or mute them. Like you don't need to be seeing that on your page. It's just making it worse for you. Yes. Yes. And if you're, and and to go off of like social media, I find that like so many influencers or whatever are always posting clothes and this and that, and this is what Mm -hmm. you have to buy. And I think another thing is a lot of people are afraid to buy clothes in a larger size. And so they'll continue to wear clothes that don't make them feel good. And then every time they put on those clothes, they feel uncomfortable on the clothes. They're pulling in a certain way and they just don't feel good. And so another tip is to buy even if it's just one pair of jeans that fit your current body, because we, we need to start, we need to stop trying to force ourselves into these clothes that just feel uncomfortable that make us feel miserable. Yeah. We, Oh my God. I'm so glad you said that. Like we need Mm -hmm. to start wearing clothes that make us feel confident and that makes us feel good because what's the point in wearing a pair of clothes that you aren't happy in? Like, no thanks. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Right. Like the worst thing you feel it all day. It's a constant reminder that you just don't feel good. And so it's like, put on something that makes you feel good. Like one-on-one, you know? (laughs) Yeah. uh, That's, that's a great way to talk about body image. I'm so glad we hit on the social media in that aspect. Mm -hmm. Um, So we are wrapping up our time sadly together, but I do have a few final questions that I like to ask all my guests. So first and foremost, what is something, the biggest thing that you learned in 2020? I think the biggest thing that I learned in 2020 was to protect my peace because Mm -hmm. I feel like there's so much of 2020 that was out of control. And so those little things like the dancing with the stars Mm -hmm. or taking walks or those texts with friends that those were, that was my peace. 
and protecting that and cultivating that at all costs because you really need to take care of you. And I think this pandemic really, really taught me that I need to take care of myself first mm-hmm. and I need to find the ways to take care of myself that make me happy. Yeah, a hundred percent. I agree a hundred percent. I have learned that it's not selfish to be selfish. Like you yes. need to take care of yourself first before you can take care of other people mm-hmm. um, because your energy releases onto others and the whole nine yards. So Absolutely. super important. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Great answer. I loved it. <laughs> Next question is what is something that you are grateful for today? Something that I'm, well, it's Friday. Um, <laughs> I'm definitely <laughs> grateful that it's Friday. You know what? This has been a tough week. I'm going to stick with my initial answer of I'm grateful that it's Friday. I am ready for a night of PJs after this. I'm actually going to take a walk because that's going to be my nice. self-care for the day, but I am ready for a night of just PJs and movies and I will probably zonk out early. So I'm thankful that it's Friday. Honestly, I'm probably going to call ditto on that because it's been a long <laughs> week as well. Yes. And then my final question that I have for you is what is something that you are excited for in the remainder of today's 24 hours, which you kind of already answered, but. <laughs> well, I'm actually excited. So I started doing um, like a take uh, sent home, like meal kit. So I have a pretty good recipe that I'm excited to cook tonight for dinner. So I'm looking forward to eating a delicious meal that got delivered to my front steps. Ooh, I love that. (laughs) Now you're making me hungry and now I'm wondering what I'm going to have for dinner. (laughs) But Stephanie, thank you so much for being here. It was an absolute honor and thank you for taking time out of your day. Can you please plug yourself and let my listeners know where they can follow you on Instagram? Absolutely. This was so fun. I loved it. Thank you so much for having me. And everybody can follow me on Instagram at therapy with underscore Stephanie. So that's my handle. And I look forward to connecting with all of you and seeing you out there on the internet. Perfect. I will have Stephanie's Instagram linked directly down in the show notes. So you guys can hop right over there and give Stephanie a follow. But again, thank you so very much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Have a good one, Emily. purpose fam that is the end of today's episode i hope you enjoyed that interview with stephanie it was so nice chatting with her she is so sweet and she had so much knowledge to give and i hope this is a reminder for any of you that may be thinking about starting therapy or looking into therapy i hope that stephanie's recommendations were helpful but also as a reminder that therapy is there to help you and like stephanie mentioned it is becoming a lot more normalized in today's society. So if you have any questions about therapy or anything of the sort, please DM her, message her. I'm sure she would be happy to interact with you all. Her Instagram is down in the show notes. And if you want any answers on someone's experience, maybe that has gone through therapy, feel free to DM me. I have been going to therapy not consistently, but I did go when I was younger and I'm going to therapy currently now. So please feel free to reach out if you want to bounce thoughts, questions off of someone who has experienced it. Both Steffi and I would be happy to help you. Hope this episode was helpful and intriguing and I really hope you guys are enjoying these guest episodes. I'm working really hard to find guests that provide value and 
the content that you all want to see. So any recommendations you have, please send them to my DMs on Instagram at the Purpose Project Pod. I listen to you all and I want to incorporate any ideas and topics that you have. So please let me know. All right, that is all I have for today. I'm signing off. Hope you all have an amazing remainder of today's 24 and I will chat with you next week. Bye, Purpose Fam.